All right, welcome back to another episode of Keeping Wanderlust. The podcast where we set shit on fire and record it for the radio listeners <laughs> at home. What are we talking about today? I think I really enjoyed the format last time, not necessarily the fact that it took us five hours to get through a top ten list. Um, <laughs> and the danger of a five-hour episode is that if we're drinking through the whole thing, the last few hours are going to be just silliness and embarrassing to listen back to. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, this is going to be w- maybe one of those segments that we just periodically check back in with each other on where we essentially are very broadly we're going to present our it's not a top three but like the the good the bad the ugly something like that or the things that we love most about van life right now uh, the things that we could do without and one thing that we found that we weren't expecting that just surprised us whether that's good bad or ugly um, or somewhere in between uh, just maybe this will turn into a compelling conversation. But the part of the format that I liked last time was that we both sort of threw this out there, concocted our own mini list in our head. And this time, instead of doing 20 things, right, you're going to give one for each. One thing that you love, one thing that you maybe not so much love, you could do without. And then something that you weren't expecting that surprised you. And... That way it's only three things from the two of us, so instead of being 17 hours, this episode will probably only be seven, <laughs> which is a new record for us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just kick it off. Yeah, I, we didn't really put many rules or we didn't qualify any of these things, and so I remember I was asking you before we started, I'm like, are yours like really deep and profound, or are they more pragmatic? And you're like, well, I didn't find myself or anything, so I'm like, good. Because yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I think they're deep, but I'm not going on a spiritual journey in any of them. So, all right. So which one are you going to start with? I'll s- I think we should start with the high, the best, right? OK, the good, the bad and then the surprising. So sure. we'll end with a fun note. I like it. So my favorite part so far. And again, this is something should we'll we give context, in like in terms of where we where we're at in our journey at this point. Yeah, we're. Yeah, we're four months in, give or take, to van life. So this is something we're going to check in with each other on, and it'll be interesting to see if things change. I don't think my favorite thing will change. That's my prediction, but it might. Sure. So like six months from now, we'll listen to this episode and be like, if we still feel the same exact way or if we have new answers, we'll record a new episode. If not, if nothing's changed, just assume that whatever we say today, that's exactly how we feel all the time. Exactly. Every day for the exactly. rest of our lives. Yeah, I might find myself. So if I do, I've been looking. <laughs> you'll drop. You'll drop a pin. <laughs> if I do, we'll re-record a new episode. It'll be super profound. But for now, it's maybe more practical. Um, yeah. So we've been traveling for four months, all on the west side of the United States, ranging from California up the Pacific coast then over to Montana, down to Colorado, and then from there back towards LA. And now we're sitting in Valley of Fire State Park in Nevada. Around our our amazing campfire. Around our amazing campfire. And at this point, so far my favorite part of being on the road, specifically living in a van, is our location freedom and more so the fact that we can pick up and move at any point 
at any time if we're not into the place that we are, if we're not inspired, if we're getting bored, or if we're really loving somewhere. This, I mean, where we are right now is a great example. We came here planning to stay for a couple of days, and now I think we're going on seven nights. We just keep extending our stay a couple more days over and over again, and now we've been here for over a week. And it's just the most liberating feeling in the entire world being able to decide that in the moment is where do I feel like sleeping tonight? What do I feel like doing today? So I feel like a lot of people would get anxiety around not knowing. We were just talking to my my sister who what within like the last couple of weeks went out and bought like a big rig trailer. I don't even know what to call it, but it's basically a trailer home that's three to four times the size of what we're working with. And they've got a you know, some fancy big ass SUV to tow the thing. Um, I think they're, they're stretching 50 feet from, easy. from the beginning yeah. of the truck to the end of the trailer. <laughs> and if we can hit 19 feet, that means that there's probably like a bow on the front for Christmas. Right. right? We have a wreath on the hood of the car. Um, but like in talking to her, she's, she's such a planner. Right. And she will not, not to say that she's not spontaneous, but if, the road in front of her has not been paved, right? That will give her some anxiety, whereas others will be like, wait, you're telling me I get to, you know, pave my own yellow brick road? We're going on an adventure. Let's go. I feel like you're in the latter camp, right, to an extent. So I'm, I'm curious how or what your take on that is, right? So the, there's the whole planning, not knowing, you know, how I guess how early in advance are you planning for the next stop? What's driving the, how location free are you? That's a very great question. Well, first of all, I'll quickly go back in time to the first time we ever did this whole location freedom lifestyle. And it's when we went to Asia. You can hear about it on season one, but we... I don't know. There's 87 episodes that we recorded for season one that never got aired. So you might want to recap for... Yeah, the brief recap is that I had never taken a trip where nothing was planned out before, let alone even a few things weren't planned out. Like, I'd only taken trips where I knew where I was going to be staying. I knew what country I was going to be in, (laughs) let alone what city and activities I'd be doing. And... You convinced me to take a trip to Asia in 2016, and we booked a one-way ticket to Taiwan and a one-way return ticket two weeks later from Shanghai. So we knew from Taiwan there were a ton of places that we could go. We knew All we knew was that we had to be back to Shanghai for that return ticket. Otherwise, Asia was our oyster (laughs) for those two weeks. And I was very against it, but it was one of those... I did do a lot of research beforehand on options, which was helpful, sort of, because I didn't really go to most of the places that I researched, but at least I had an idea of what was in Asia, because prior to that, I'd never been before. So that was a whole nother thing in and of itself. It was like my first time (laughs) on a continent, let alone, (laughs) uh, let alone the first time traveling without a plan. Yeah, so I think we landed and we had an, a hotel room pre-booked in Taiwan for what one or two nights. I don't even, yeah, yeah, I, don't I think even it was remember. one. Night. We had at least we had a destination to give like the Uber driver. Yeah. In Taiwan, be like, take us here. Yeah, and that's as far as we got. <laughs> and I was, so, I mean, I was so against it beforehand. I'm like, you're crazy. I can't believe you've traveled and you had done it before. I'm like, I can't believe you've done this before. 
I would never. Never intentionally. So when I had done it before, it was sort of by accident. I went somewhere, had like a plan for a three, four week run through country X, and then halfway into the trip, we s- switched gears. And oh, just so you didn't tell me this at the time. You're like, oh, I always travel like this. I said, it's probably something along those lines. <laughs> I was selling it. You sold it really. You're like, I know what I'm doing. Don't worry. No, I was more like, what's the worst that could possibly happen? Yeah. Well, and more so because I think that was on the heels of our trip to South America where we went to Colombia and, and Peru for Machu Picchu. And if you're going to Machu Picchu, it just takes so much. You need to plan in advance because there's so many things that you won't be able to get access to mm-hmm. if you didn't do the research and book certain things in advance. You'll just get locked out. And that was stressful for me because I didn't like having a trip that structured. So this was sort of my overreaction to that was let's just buy a ticket to one country and a return flight from another. And our only mission is to figure it out and make sure that we're back in the second country to catch our flight home. Otherwise, we're buying another transcontinental flight ticket. Yeah. And I'm sure some of me was excited about the that prospect but i think more so i was like all right well if this fails we'll just never do this again (laughs) (laughs) like we'll we'll try it one time and if anything goes wrong then i was right you were wrong and we're just gonna plan all of our trips going forward and it ended up being one of the best trips i've ever been on for that reason for the reason that it was the first time i'd done that again i felt so liberated every time we went to the airport the fact that we could just go to another country on a whim. Like, <laughs> Look at you, the board. When What's you, cheapest? Yeah. What's leaving the soonest? It was almost the equivalent of just throwing a dart at a board and hitting some country and be like, all right, let's go that way. And that was the whole trip, and it was so much fun. So this feels like a mini version of that. We can't get as far as quickly in a car, but we can be on the go as fast or as slow as we want. And there's been a lot of places that we've gotten to that are great places, but the weather's been terrible. And we've just said, let's not suffer through this. Let's just go to the next place. Let's look at the weather at every city in the near, you know, distance. And let's within just a pick- three to four hour drive and see if the weather is better there. Yeah. And, and just go. And we've done that so much. And, you know, particularly this year with what with what we've been traveling through with either COVID being what it is, we can either avoid crazy cities or go towards really small towns because they're as isolated as possible and we can be as safe as possible. Or, you know, particularly when we started this trip was at the brink of all the fires on the West Coast. And yeah, that was bizarre. And not to say that we haven't encountered fires everywhere we went for the first month and a half, because we did. But if the fires were so bad in a certain area, we could pick up and go because we weren't stuck, you know, sticking to an itinerary. Yeah, I feel like in the early goings, because we were in California leaving from L.A. heading north, there were so many stops along the way that were friends and family that if we weren't doing that first, then... Once those fires hit, and I think we're in like the Santa Cruz, San Francisco area, instead of continuing up north, we would have just, knowing what we know now, we would have just, you know, gone as far east as possible to get right. away from the fires and just do something different. Um, so it, it's fine because my number one is, is, and that's why I was, I was thinking this is cliche, like the best part about this is that it can do whatever the F we want. Yeah. You know, I don't feel... And I'm trying to 
like think of a good analogy. So like coming home from work in New York, right? You'd get on the subway, you'd come back to your apartment and there's just sort of this, uh, not so much humdrum, you know, cause it's New York. You're going to see something ridiculous in, even in a five minute commute, but it becomes routine and you sort of get numb, I guess, to your surroundings maybe is a good way to describe it in that you can walk by and be surrounded by just whether it be beautiful, amazing, shocking, or otherwise interesting shit, but because you live it every day, it just doesn't blow your hair back anymore. Mm -hmm. And every night, at least over the last week, after commuting back home to our little fishbowl in a canyon, right, and sitting by a campfire, it's like every time we come over that weird roller coaster peak that we hit when coming into this park, right, you come over the top and then... Like, there's this big reveal of the canyons around you and the red rocks on one side and the sun, like, setting over the mountains, you know, and off the in the road distance. dips down. So, like, you're at this peak and then all of a sudden you start driving down into the canyon. And it's this, you. every time we've come over it, we feel like we're at the tip of a roller coaster and we're coming down and we're about to start going so much faster. Like, every single time I've had that feeling of, like, not necessarily my stomach drops because we're in a car going a little slower than a roller coaster, but sure. still it's that same mental feeling. Well, it just catches me by surprise or it's not, I'm not numb to it. Yeah. Right. So like five, six nights in a row now every day we're coming. So we got to leave the park during the day so I can get signal so we can work. But then like we come back in the late afternoon and coming over that peak every night, it's that same roller coaster feeling. We're like, Oh, this is why, why would we ever leave? You know? Um, which is why we keep extending it here. So it's that that sort of not being numb to my surroundings, right. I guess, is my version of location. The same answer that you're giving is that location freedom, you know. And and I guess it's super cliche. I guess it's, people do the van life thing anyway. Is, is that's why they do it, you know. Um, they don't. No one enjoys living in a tiny, tiny, tiny space. You know, there's some minimalists out there, but at the end of the day, it's not. You know, it's not luxurious. It's not glamorous by any stretch, just the living space that you're in. But it's all the other things that you get as a byproduct. And so that location freedom, that the fact that you're just never, I'm never numb to it. Even driving back from the little town that we're next to, you know, it takes, what, 20, 30 minutes to get into it, that yeah, town? Yeah, it takes like 30 yeah. plus minutes. It takes 15 just to get out just of Just to get park. out of the park, yeah. yeah. And then the 15-minute drive into this town, and it's just, it's a sleepy town, right? It's mm -hmm. one main drag where, again, during COVID times, 80% of the stuff is closed. You got gas stations, a McDonald's, a couple of banks, a library, and what, a hardware store? Right? Yeah, and everything town, else is closed. The town's called Overton. It's the closest town on the east side. It's where we entered from. So we drove through it on the way in, and we said this is our working home base. And that was Moapa Valley. Moapa Valley? Overton is just south of, it's in, I think it's in the valley, but... The town that we're going to is called Overton, and we either park outside the laundromat and do, you know, get caught up on laundry, which is always something that we need to do in the van, or there's a small park that we'll back into. So if you're looking at our back doors, there's grass behind us and a bathroom nearby, and everything's super simple. Well, manicured little field, and then off in the distance, you got mountains. Yeah. And it's just, it, and it's gorgeous. It's like 65 degrees. Right now in the desert, you know, it's the winter. Mm -hmm. So it's a great time to be here. And at night, right now, I mean, if we stepped away from the fire, it'd be chilly, you know, for too long. But I mean, it's probably like high 30s, low 40s. And it's just perfect, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
but yeah, so that my definition of that location-based freedom thing would be not being everywhere, like driving back from town. I'm not numb to it. I'm always looking at it like what's new. I always feel like there's some new, mm-hmm. the stimulus has not gotten old, you know. Or and we won't stay expected. in this place to the point where we do get numb to it. But if we were doing this every single day, we would stop paying attention. So that's a big part of this is that we keep moving from place Yeah, we're to moving place. fast enough so that we don't get complacent or and we could still look back on it and be like that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the the nights we stayed outside of Arches, we were legitimately on the other side. So there's like the edge of the Arches National Park and then there's the Colorado River and right on the banks of the Colorado River for a good like what 30 40 mile stretch are just these little strips of like BLM campground land. And it's just, you know, plots of dirt near a pit toilet next to the Colorado River. But it's so quiet, right? It's it's it feels so remote and you're basically on the northern tip of Moab, which is as far as, you know, small towns go, that one's a touristy trap town. There's stuff open there versus this where, you know, no one's going to Overton. No one's going out of their way to seek out Overton or mm-hmm. search it on a map for any reason. So I'm, you said there might be a fair bit of overlap. I knew the first one would be because the reason we're doing this is f- for this purpose of the freedom, the liberating feeling we get from picking up and moving whenever we feel like it. And it like I, I, that's the thing. I, I don't know if that will change in six months. Again, I might find myself, so maybe it will. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, this is why we're doing this life. That's why we're living this lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, for me, and I just threw another log on, so I'm being interrupted by the crackling. But um, initially, when we did this, this was my sort of revenge against the world that told me to sit still for too long. So I didn't give much thought to what freedom, you know, really meant. And, you know, I think as an American in general, you sort of get similar to the way you're you're numb to your surroundings when you lived when you've lived in New York City and taken the same commute for 5 years, right? You're sort of numb to all the stuff that's going on around you. Um I think you're it's very easy to get numb to the idea of what freedom is or you can buy into an idea of being free that may not be your own personal truth or your truest definition of what that freedom is. So and you are going to get deep. No, that's as far as I'm going with that. <laughs> um, no, it, it, I do it. Go. No, I mean, I, I think some of the other topics we're going to touch are like, again, the bad and the, the shocking stuff. I think we'll touch on some of those. So the, the shocking stuff, I figure, like the stuff that surprised me. But, I mean, that initially I just wanted to scratch the travel itch. I'm like, after several months of lockdown, I'm like, there's no way. And especially knowing that we had planned on being, tr- you know, in a different country practically every few weeks for all of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the world was saying sit still. And this was my way of giving it the finger. And I didn't realize that that my definition of being free would evolve as a byproduct or yeah. that I would understand. I think when van lifers talk about oh i'm I'm all this freedom like i'd give them shit before but now i'm like of course you do you live in a van you can go wherever you want you can do whatever you want to do but until you've done it and lived it i 
you know, I would shit on that as a cliche response. And now that I've experienced it firsthand, I can't shit on it. There's yeah. something to it, you know. I, I, it took me a long time to come around to the idea of traveling around the country as something that excited me because you and I travel all the time and we never ever go out of our way to travel within our own country we always go international if we do travel in our own country we're going to different cities that one of us is working in and we'll extend it and make a long weekend out of it so we've been to all the major cities in the states together purely for that reason but yeah, we more never so because it was convenient like it was on the way right to something you right, know? right like we had some other reason for being there for us to or there was some ridiculously cheap fare like 31 dollars fly to you know charleston south carolina for halloween that was just on a whim yeah you know it's like i got i had 31 dollars i had 62 i bought us two one-way tickets <laughs> so i had a feeling we were going to be on the same page about the first one and i'm not surprised that we were the second one, I'm interested to hear what your, like, the good, bad, you know, what the bad side of this is or what the hardest part of this has been for you. Um, I'll go first. And it's not the hardest part, but it's something very practical that makes it challenging is the fact that our house is our car and everything is contained in one. It's a big pro, and I would prefer that to having a trailer in a car and being able to separate because we're so compact. There's a lot of things that we have the freedom to do being in such a small space considerably in comparison to a lot of the other types of rigs that we could be doing this in. But it does provide a lot of limitations. For example, if something breaks down in the car or we need to get an oil change, we're, we're handing over our house to whoever's needing to help <laughs> us. It's not like we're just dropping our car off at the shop. It's like we're dropping our entire house with all of the things in it off at the shop. Yeah, I got, I've got developed some sort of weird separation anxiety. I think we were talking about when we were in Denver and we had to leave the van parked in like, we couldn't use one of the normal parking structures that are available all throughout Denver because our van was too tall. We stayed at a hotel in Denver because it was my birthday weekend and we were my friend my friends who are amazing treated us to this awesome suite and we had the best time ever but every single parking structure in Denver had a six foot clearance I don't know what cars fit under six feet uh, anyone who has an SUV is screwed yeah and you got to park on the street and so we had to and there is no legitimate you know side of the street you know side street parking because you'll get a ticket anywhere it's all like an hour here an hour there um so we had to find a an open parking lot where you had to pay to park your car and we had to leave our house and it was like what three four blocks from the hotel we couldn't see it from our room and as soon as we walked away i'm like i hope we don't show up tomorrow morning and one of the windows are bashed in because yeah. there's nothing stopping anybody from just like walking up to the van in the middle of the night and being like peering in through the window and be like, Oh, this isn't just a van with like cleaning supplies in it. This is someone's entire house. Right. You can go to town in there. Yeah. And the first time I ever had that feeling was we were in Spokane staying outside your sister's house and we got an oil change for the first time, which go figure, we need an oil change every like month in this car because <laughs> yeah. we're driving so many miles. And I took it there expecting this to take 
a very short amount. And oil changes actually don't take very long. But we also, there was a recall on the car. So there was like a part we were having swapped out as well. And I didn't anticipate them saying it was going to take half a day to fix. So we drive the car there. We get there and they're like, all right, it'll be done in about like three hours. And we're like, well, I mean, we're not going to sit here for three hours, but also we weren't prepared to leave our house with you for that long. We figured the oil change would take 15 minutes would be on our way. It was in a, in a, an emotional separation that you weren't ready to. It just, it stands out because it's the first time we've experienced that. Like, wow, I'm leaving my house with you. And now I, I not only don't have my house, but all my things are there. Like, what do I bring with me just in case? I feel like it's akin to you just had a baby and you've been at home with it for three months nonstop and it's been your entire world and for the you're finally going back to your first day at work and you're leaving your kid with somebody else. Yeah. And it's a weird feeling. Yeah, it's a weird feeling to and maybe it's not healthy that we've grown well, this sort of it's, it's a weird feeling and that's a great analogy, but it's also the fact that it's like I don't have a mode of transportation outside of this and I don't live in the city anymore where I can just hop on a subway. So I'm completely dependent on like if somebody has to do work on it for several hours, I'm like, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I get there? How do I get back? Like there's all these questions I haven't had to think about because I've had everything with me the whole time we've been traveling. My car is my house and I have a sink and an oven and a bed and like <laughs> everything Snacks. I've needed. If I'm going to sit around and wait, food I need all my the time. triscuits. Right. It's this like, it's this weird dependency that I have on being near this vehicle and having it accessible to me so when it's taken away never survive a true backpacking like a backcountry no we we (laughs) will it's just this is our way of life right now so this is all i know so that's hard and the other piece to that is you are working and i'm not right now and there are a lot of times where i would love to like drop you off at a coffee shop and go take the car and do some hike, but we're living in a global pandemic. There's no coffee shop that is suitable for your working needs that that makes sense. So you're either dropping me off and having to figure out when to come back and pick me up, or it's just complicated. We can't, it's it's not that I want to separate from you, it's that we can't separate the car from the house. Yeah, and we and it's tough. I, I think Zion was unique in that we found a place to have the car, and everything. The town was like walkable, or you could walk to the national park. You could walk to the park from the campground. So that and there's a shuttle. And there's so shuttle. So I could hop town. on a shuttle. Yeah. I could get into the park from the sh- from the visitor center. I could get to any point throughout the park. That was awesome. And that's so rare, though. Mm-hmm. So we're often glued together or tethered to. You know, for me to go to work and you to be, you know, some days it feels, it's got to feel like you're just stuck Mm -hmm. waiting for, you know, the work day to be over so that you can do whatever it is that you want to do or have that sense of freedom. Right. That's fair. I could totally see that. It's a combination of the two. The fact that there's no part of me that regrets not having a truck and a trailer because (laughs) Like, I don't want to drive that. (laughs) I love driving the small van. Yeah, I don't want to park that. I don't want to have to learn how to back that into anything. Yeah, but it is, there's times where it's challenging not being able to separate the two. So what's your... Yeah, mine's, again, on that sort of 
practical. It and it's it's sort of my it's the in the little inconveniences that go along with this kind of lifestyle, which I mean, the first one that jumped to, or the only one that jumped to mind, or what was on my list was, you know, getting up and going to the bathroom in the middle of the night is, it's an ordeal, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to if you actually have four stable walls and a roof and indoor plumbing, right? That's just not something you think about. Um, but in the middle of the night, if I've got to get up and go, it's not happening in the van, and because our bed is so small <laughs> we're on top of each other there's no way for me to i've got to get up climb over you right find my glasses throw on clothes get outside and find the nearest bathroom and the nearest bathroom can be questionable depending on how we're you know how we're posted up for the night you yeah know, it, i don't think it's so much because when you have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night it's always inconvenient you're waking up out of a sleep and physically moving when all you want to do is lay there but multiply that by 10 well but the challenge of this i think the biggest part is that it's cold outside so you have to get dressed like normally you can go to the bathroom in your boxers and you don't have to think about it but now it's like all right what's the temperature outside when i wear boxers How do I need to prepare myself for this adventure, which is not a big one? It's we're usually parking somewhere. We learn the hard way. People don't like it when I get up out of a white (laughs) van parked on the side of the street, butt naked, and walk out into the middle of suburban America and just start like watering grandma's garden, her her geraniums. My fat, hairy ass is hanging out, butt naked at four o'clock in the morning. So we'll add that to our tips and tricks, like what to do, what not to do when living in a van. Like, put clothes on before you leave the van. <laughs> Just in case you weren't sure if you should do Rule that or not. Rule number one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, depending on where you are. Obviously, I think you said know your audience in the last episode 74 times. So this is one of those scenarios where I should know my audience. You know, grandma's not going to appreciate seeing a fat man with a scary beard walk out of a van that looks like, you know, either an FBI surveillance van or like, uh, you know, the to catch a predator van. <laughs> I agree with you. That is a challenge. You agree that I should not <laughs> walk around <laughs> naked in grandma's front yard? <laughs> I agree with your larger point that going to the, ba- like having Speaking to go to the Speaking of bathroom. large points, I like what you did there. That was very clever. <laughs> Not that going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, but having to go. There's so many times where I wake up and I'm like, I have to go, but it's so much work. I'm just going to try to go back to sleep and hope it goes away. <laughs> I've tried that lot. multiple times. Yeah. yeah. And that I, I feel like there's no way to, to overstate just sort of if it were happening to anybody else, I would laugh at them. Right. Because there's the you wake up in the middle of the night. You can't see shit. Right. Because we black everything out in the car. And you're dead asleep, so now I'm like, fuck, i got to climb over you. So I climb over you, right? But now I've got to do all the things that require me to be prepared to go outside, mm-hmm. right? So just... Shoes, clothes. Yeah, clothes, kind of clothes, shoes. Glasses. Right? The glasses. Where the F did I put my glasses? And also that's flashlight. I'll have to climb back in a bed and, like, climb over you yet again to 
to find my glasses. And then as I'm reaching around on like the windowsills and whatever like ledge is next to me while I'm sleeping, I realize, oh, I took them off and left them all the way on the counter up in the front of the van. So now I climb over you again, right? And I invariably stub my toe on something <laughs> or I'm, I'm stepping on those sticky <laughs> things that are holding the carpet to the floor. Right. I'm like, oh, what did I just step in? Like, did I not clean up after dinner? I'm like, I hope that's not mashed potatoes on the bottom of my foot. And then I got to put a sock on over what might be mashed potatoes on the bottom of my foot. Right. And then shoes open the door, which is going to wake you up again. And it lets all the cold air in. Right. So we're going to have to put the heat back on when I come back and go outside. And hopefully once I do get past that ridiculous ridiculous like circus circus act right when i do get outside hopefully there's a bathroom within walking distance right? and we've been in a handful of different scenarios where one will be sleeping in the parking lot of a really fancy hotel right and i could just walk inside and use their bathroom but when you're doing that at three in the morning it's going to raise some eyebrows there's usually <laughs> someone at the front desk it's one thing to do that at like 9 a.m the next day Right, you walk in like you own the place. You wave at them, morning guys, and they don't know that you're sleeping in a car outside of the in their hotel parking lot. You can't walk into a hotel at three a.m. No, I've, you can't. Do I've that. had that thought. It's same, probably same place. But we've done this multiple times, and at three a.m., you're like, I just can't be that person because I don't know how to answer those questions. <laughs> like I don't know what to say. Hi, just just the homeless person sleeping in your parking lot, I'm taking like, advantage of all your fancy hotel amenities. I'm like, well, because we always pretend like we're staying there when we do that. Obviously, we're pretending like we own the place. So if you walk in at three a.m., I'm like, I don't know. Is my story that I got locked out of my room and I'm waiting for my husband to answer? But in the meantime, I also have to pee, so I just came up like I there's so many things that have crossed my mind that I would come up with on the spot which I would stumble through and clearly be called out for lying and bullshitting <laughs> them but I'd walk down and be like look I just spilled a bottle of wine white wine and we used all of our towels to mop it up can I get a couple of extra towels I would do something like that well why are you going to the bathroom that's not important I'll find a way. <laughs> no, no, no. I walk to the front desk. I'll grab the towels, right? And then when I walk back to my room, they don't know which room I'm in, right? I'll walk towards a room where the bathrooms are on that main floor. Okay. As long as you know and you scope out, and if you're living in a van, the first thing you do when you walk into the lobby of any hotel. This is going to be in our tips and tricks yeah, episode. Is Figure out where the bathroom is, where the bar is. In advance. Yeah. So if, you can walk in like you own the place. You yeah. don't want to walk in at 3 a.m. and be like, where is your bathroom? No, that is, that is suicide. Like, get, get out of my house. Yeah, suicide mission. But that's that's a hotel. That's when you've got a flushing toilet with, if you're lucky, some hotels are like a one-seater where you have a lock on the other side of the door. You could go in and that throne is yours for as long as you want to stay in there, right? Others are like multiple stalls, but there's a, all sorts of non-flushing toilet solutions that we've had to make do with. Some of them have codes on the door that you don't know and you got to figure out. Others are pit toilets, and sometimes it's a hole in the ground. It's a big challenge. It's the first thing people ask us is, do you How have do a you bathroom? Poop? How, How do, do you go to the bathroom? Poop? Yeah. And that'll be its own episode is answering all those questions that we get from our friends who would never do this in their right mind right so i do agree with you that's also a challenge i considered 
Um, I'm going to go on to surprises. Like the biggest surprise or wow factor of the trip for me has been, and this is cliche, so I apologize in advance, but it is how much there is in this country to explore. <laughs> and I am, we're both city people. We're both so inexperienced when it comes to national parks. I had been to, what, three or four before this trip, and you had been to like a small handful. And aside from national parks, I knew, I thought those would be great. And every single national park we've been into, I've I've decided that if the word national park exists, whatever land is behind it is worth exploring because it's going to give you that wow factor. It'll never disappoint. It won't disappoint. But on top of that, the the surprise of it has been all of the places in between. And I know this is cliche, and like I like I'm sure you're probably gonna stop listening right now because i'm not telling anybody anything they didn't know but for me coming from a city i had no idea how much there was to explore in this country and i cannot stress enough how worth it it is to drive from point a to point b instead of flying because the amount of times that we've been in the car and i've driven through a canyon or over a mountain pass or through a rock because somebody blew a hole through it (laughs) and i have said wow 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 over and over i want to look at you and be like i'm sorry you're hearing this again i know you've heard this a thousand times but wow 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 i can't stop this is the best one yet i can't stop like i can't close my jaw it's dropped it's on the floor and this is so beautiful and so many places we've been i just keep trying to top the last place i'm like oh this is this is the best place we've been this is the best campground we've been to this is the best canyon i've ever seen yeah. like you're forever wanting to rank things i, I don't know if anyone's catching on to a theme here i forever want to do that probably independently of this trip but for some reason this trip i just keep being more and more surprised at how amazing this country is and just how beautiful the landscape is. And I, I go back to a lot of international trips that we've taken. Where and think we've about seen how much work we've exerted and how far we traveled to put our eyes on something that is just incredibly beautiful. But also, like, maybe a similar landscape. Like, I think of rock bulbs coming out of the water in thailand and i'm like that's just you have to go to thailand to see that and you do and they're great there but have we, you seen that since we've been on this yeah trip? we also have those here when Where? we were in olympic national park there were rock bulbs coming out of the ocean in northern or yeah. i don't know south central western washington and i had no idea that we even had anything remotely close to that and we didn't even travel along the coast through Oregon, but I know that exists there too now. And I had no idea that our country had, yeah, had so much to offer and, and landscapes that I was searching for in other countries exist here. So that's been the biggest surprise to me. And people have been saying for years, Oh, you know, there's so much beauty in our country and you should travel here. And every time they've said that, no joke. I have rolled my eyes and said, why do that when I can go international? And I feel like the biggest asshole for feeling that way because there is so much diversity in this country. We have rainforest. We have 
I mean, crazy rock formations. All of my Utah pictures pretty much look the same, but completely different because <laughs> there's same, same, but different. so many different kinds of rocks here. There's so many crazy mountains and volcanoes and coastlines and lakes and just such varied landscapes that I never would have expected to see that we've seen on this trip for only four months. Yeah, we've it's covered I think, a lot of ground, but not that much ground. No, we've hit you know the the western chunk of the country, and we haven't touched New Mexico or Arizona, Texas, any of that. We've hit like southern LA up to Washington State, and then like quickly jetted across Idaho. We saw very little of Idaho and got to like Montana. We saw very little of Montana, drove through it, and then spent most of our time in Wyoming. Colorado and Utah, just those three countries in an or country uh, states. states, you know, in and of themselves provide access to so much stuff that will take your breath away that you think around the next corner, there's no way whatever you're going to see next is going to top what you just saw. And we're just forever being thrown back in our seats by, by what we see. And I'd also say culturally the diversity, because I, I think that's part of what makes it worthwhile is the work it took to get to that part of Thailand, right? And being surrounded by a completely unfamiliar cultural experience. You don't think, you think in America that you're going to just run from town to town and see another McDonald's, another Walmart, but you get off the beaten path and, and you don't have to try hard, right? If you're just going from one big destination to the next, it's going to take you four or five hours to get there. And there's some interesting little gems in between the, the little towns you were talking about. So I can definitely resonate with all that. When we were in, um, where was it? Santa Monica. I was talking to my aunt and she was saying how she has all these friends from Europe who come out to the United States and, and they're like, I don't think you guys realize how amazing it is that you have all this stuff sitting in your backyard. And she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, this natural beauty that this country has preserved somehow in like 50, 60 different places. And that's just the national park system. And I know we keep harping on that because that's sort of been like the theme of this first leg of our van life trip is like, let's go find and seek out national parks and let those be like sort of the, you know, the pins that we drop and we bounce between them. Um, they're like, this doesn't exist in many places where just this natural beauty is like someone went out of their way to preserve this natural beauty. And, and not that this is a political statement at all, but if America had one good idea, it was let's not overdevelop this, this beautiful, someone walked across whatever it is, right? Whether it be Yellowstone, Yosemite, you know, snow canyon state park in utah yeah they don't there's, have to be national parks there's no. state parks and national monuments there's so much land that's protected and we had no idea and someone decided like a hundred years ago we're going to protect this not just for us but for generation upon generation so that other people can walk through this you know field whatever it is and look upon it in awe the same way we did and apparently like you know and and i guess it's just common sense i suppose like europe's been around for a hell of a lot longer than the united states has and or has been civil you know populated for such a long time that at f finding something like that you've got to probably go really far out of your way to find it you know or even like when you 
like Thailand, the Philippines, Southeast Asia, right? Those places, you've got to put in a lot of work to go get get to them. Yeah, you don't have to work that hard to get to these places. No, they're right there's, here. There's paved roads that take you there. <laughs> there's a lot to be said for a paved road. <laughs> and it's public land. It's It's ours. Like, we collectively own. This is like, you know, one of our rights is access to this stuff mm-hmm. that's here. And it's just... And it's difficult in the moment, like in some of these places, just to like when we always we talk about trying to capture the majesty in a photo, it'll never do it justice because what you're looking at, sometimes what you're looking at, the what makes it so compelling is how majestic it is. And there's no way to put four walls around that. I considered making that my surprising wow factor was the fact that every place we've gone, I've taken a picture of the landscape and I've said again for four months, every single day, a picture cannot do this place justice. And I've seen pictures of the places that we've gone to prior to this trip and to see the photo and then be there in person. And, yeah, the only and reason understand to the look difference. at the photo is to know that you found the right thing. Yeah. That you're there. But to be able to understand the difference between the two is this crazy gratifying feeling where I just know that we're doing this to really experience all of these places because at the end of the day you could sit on Google Maps or you know Google image and just look at the scenery and get an idea of what to expect but you'll never fully grasp and understand how amazing and vast these places are without being there in person. Yeah, and how many dragons gave their life to create those <laughs> awesome mountains that we saw in in eastern Utah? I I suppose that went without saying. That was a given. Was that a given? Because I don't think anybody knows what you're talking about. They know. I if you know. know. You know. I know, but they don't know. We'll do we'll do the history of the Earth episode oh, at some okay. point. We'll do Chris's revisionist history of the Earth, and you'll understand the reference to dragons giving their lives. What do you mean revisionist history? Sorry, the real, real air quote history. Real truth. <laughs> um, 2,000 years ago before man walked the earth. What is your biggest surprise of the trip so far? Uh, so for me, it's how, I don't know if I'm going to articulate this well, but how at ease I am outside of a big city environment. I can't like, believe that wasn't my biggest surprise is how at ease you are. <laughs> 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 I was so afraid for you to take this trip. Because I wouldn't have access to all the creature you, comforts and convenience. Like I've lived no my life. seamless out here in a state park. Right. And for years, like our biggest monthly expense was my freaking seamless bill. Right. Right. Because I'd get home from work after spending, you know, anywhere from 10 to 12 hours in a windowless office inside of a box on a street that looks like every other box. And like, I would ride a box through it too. Like, and not that I'm shitting on New York, but I came, you know, that was my, that was the lens I viewed the world through. And you, there's definitely this sort of elitist snobbery thing that, that you evolve into, whether you like it or not. And this is, I'm speaking for myself, not for the rest of, you know, city dwellers but i can't believe how quickly not only did i adapt but like it's almost as if 
this is a natural state for me. Like this is a comfortable to come to to come home from work is how I say it now. But to to finish a day at work and drive into the Valley of Fire State Park in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. And the first thing we do when we come back is dr- take that little roller coaster ride and then drive 15 minutes. We we get greeted by a herd of bighorn sheep. Every single morning, every, every single morning, evening. Every, no- every morning when we leave the park to go get signal and every evening when we come back, when we lose signal, we get greeted by a herd of bighorn sheep who are out there doing whatever bighorn sheep do, <laughs> eating grass, right? Eating, pooping, and yeah. getting photos taken of them. <laughs> and we come back to our little patch of red dirt, right? And this, you know, shitty steel drum, top of a steel drum just wedged into the sand. And the first thing I do is light four logs on fire and crack open a drink and sit down and stare at it for like 30, 45 minutes without saying a word. And the only thing you can hear is occasionally an airplane flying overhead because we're in this little fishbowl surrounded by these crazy canyons. Which is why we're talking more softly than usual because our voices are echoing off the rocks. No, we're more soberer than we were last time. (laughs) We could give two shits. We're the more other day. aware of, of how our voices are. <laughs> we haven't cracked open the whiskey. That's why we're being a bit more tame. This will be the this will be the soothing episode to help people fall asleep. I I would listen to this. I am relaxed right now, just speaking. But and but just being relaxed. Like I've I'm so and I, I guess it's difficult because if you don't know me. Right, if we're talking to the imaginary audience that might one day listen to this, right? Think about how, like, when I would come home from work and we hadn't seen each other all day long. It's just the whole the the whole change in lifestyle. I thought, I thought I was gonna have to brace myself and like take a lot on the chin and make a lot of sacrifice, and I'd have to like bite my tongue and not bitch and moan, you know, the way I like to do, you know, like New Yorkers. They're only happy when it rains or summer when they have something to complain about. And, like, I used to come home from work, and I couldn't wait till you got home so I can vent to somebody. And, right, the first hour of words that would, you know, get vomited out of my mouth were me, you know, overreacting to some stupid, mundane, innocuous, like, bullshit that happened that day that, like, inconvenienced me for all of eight seconds, right? And or how it set my day off on a whole new path, and my I was supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z, and blah blah blah, and I'm this important, all that other shit. And now it's like, you know what? We drove into the park. No one can get a hold of us. <laughs> I can't. I can't look at the news. Right? I come out here. I sit down. And now that we've been doing it, so again, in the early goings of our trip, we were like seeing, you know, friends, family, because there was so much you know, in probably that first month, which is a a full 180 from what we've been doing for like the last 40, 45 days where we've been just the two of us out in the desert, just bouncing from place to place and not really interact, like staying in our little bubble for the most part. And anyone we did meet would be like new friends, right? New people we meet along the way, they'd be travel buddies. And it wasn't, and it started to feel really free and it felt like we started to slow down and, this is it's funny because now like i'm 
I've almost got a little bit of anxiety about, you know, we're so close to Las Vegas. We're so close to Los Angeles. And those are, you know, stops along the way. Like, I don't want to spend any time. Of it. I used to love Vegas. I'm a fucking degenerate gambler. I just want to go to the craps table, right? And now I'm like, I don't want to be anywhere. I don't even want to deal with driving into that kind of traffic in that kind of town or waiting in a line or... I don't even know what it is. I'll, I'll immediately, I know, I'll get that weird claustrophobic feeling as soon as there's all this stimulus. Where were we just recently? Denver was... No, 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 even more recent than that. We were somewhere where we walked in and we're like, wow, this is like just way oh, too much. Oh, we went to a Walmart. Oh, right, a yeah. Walmart Super Center in... St. George, Utah. Yeah, it was in U- St. George, which is not a big city. It, it is a bit. We were in Utah for a m- over a month. We spent a really long time in that state. Yeah. And, and the it biggest town down- we went to was Moab, which is more of a tourist trap, sort of ski lodgy type town. Right. And Utah was hands down the best place that we've traveled in the van so far because the lifestyle is just built for people who are traveling the way that we are. And there's so much adventure to be had in that state. And we got really used to passing through small towns. And even the big towns that we passed through were mediocre. And so by the time we got to St. George... (laughs) Mediocre? That's not the right word. You're right. Mediocre is not the right word. It's maybe medium size. Like nothing in comparison to a large city. And so we get to St. George, and we're expecting this to be a city, but nothing compared to what it is. It is actually a very large city with everything accessible to you in many different corners of the town. So we get there, and we're we're clearly fish out of water, and we go to a Walmart, and I have not felt, felt this claustrophobic since we've been in Utah, since we've been in the state. And I'm walking through the aisles and I'm just like, I feel my throat closing up a little bit. And I, we separated immediately after walking in, but I found you after 10 minutes of being there and I walk up to you and I'm just like, babe, I'm freaking out. Like, I don't know what to do. We're in this Walmart and I'm, there's so much stimulus. There's so many things to look at. There's so many people walking by there's some people without masks because we're still in Utah and it's not being enforced and that's freaking me out. But in addition to that, there's just, this is the biggest space I've been in in months and I don't know what to do. And you're like, it's okay. Like you gave me this sort of calming speech and then we separated again <laughs> and I got stressed out like immediately after. Yeah. But that was it. I think, I mean, I expressed it more the to The roundabouts, you. right? And like the traffic, like the, the town that we're outside of now I don't think we've had to stop at a red light Mm-mm. once. I don't think there are traffic lights in town. You just turn off the main road, which is also the highway, which is like 35 miles an hour. Yeah, but do you, I can't, and now I'm going to keep an eye out tomorrow when we go back into town to go to work, but I don't think there's a traffic light. I don't think so either. They I don't think there's need one. one where there's like two big, where the road forks and it turns out either way. The roundabouts, right? The traffic circles in St. George, right? In St. George, again, two years ago, we'd be like, oh, that's it's a, a tiny, small it's a suburb. Baby, yeah. baby city. And now it's like a huge city to us. 
So that's probably the shocking thing for me is how comfortable I feel outside of a city setting when that's all I've known pretty much my entire life, you know, save for a few stints here and there. But even then, the stints were always in a town the size of St. George, Utah, which is not small in the grand scheme of things. I couldn't agree with that more. The most shocking for me was when we went to Denver and it feels like a really miniature New York City where I've lived for the last eight years. You've lived your whole life. And I'm walking down the streets and I've I've never felt more claustrophobic in my entire life. And I'm like, there's people walking by me and there's construction going on and there's all these noises and there's ambulances driving by. And I'm like, this is what I've lived with for the last eight years. Why am I, I'm like, I'm getting anxious. I remember when I used to get weirded out by traveling somewhere where it was too quiet. Yeah. Like I needed the noise and the chaos and the commotion around me in order to feel comfortable. It, it truly Denver for me is what did it where I felt like I didn't know myself because I'm, I'm in the same body. I'm the same person who has lived this lifestyle of commotion and like body to body interaction and like, just like, noises coming from 360 degrees around you of all different types and i think some of it is like having your guard up right when you're in that when you live in that lifestyle living in new york city you're just sort of i don't think you realize it but like you're it's almost like your shoulders are always like hunched up around your neck and like that's just sort of your normal posture and you don't realize that i feel like for the first time at least for me, like I stepped outside of that and like Denver was on the heels of spending a month in Wyoming in, you know, not in small towns, but in straight up wilderness. Like we were just, we were camping out in Yellowstone and the Tetons and all of a sudden your shoulders relax and you take a beat. And then when you go back into that setting, I remember when we drove into Denver and I'm like, and I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, this is like this is too much just driving into the city. I'm like, there's just too much shit for my brain to process right now. As we're driving in, I'm like, you're looking at all the signs reading like, this is a, you know, this is a turn only lane and it's going 60 miles an hour. And if you screw that up, then you got to just get off and figure it out. And yeah, like, every city we've driven in. Cause unfortunately I've driven in a couple San Francisco Denver, obviously LA, like you're kind of on hyper alert because Seattle was no Seattle, the roads just like turn off all of a sudden. Like you're, you think you're on a highway and then all of a sudden the highway splits and you're like, I don't know which, do I go right or left? It's like a fork that you have to make a very split decision on which side or which road to take. And then it turns out you're not driving in a lane. This is where side street parking exists and you're sitting behind a car that's not moving. Yeah, or all of a sudden you're you're honking at them and it's just a parked car. All of a sudden you're on a one-way going the wrong way. Like, that exists everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Now we just sound like idiots. So, (laughs) um, but no, the biggest thing from Denver for me was not necessarily there was just a lot happening. I don't know where, where to put my focus, but it almost felt like everything was just louder in my head. It felt like I was in one of those movies where the protagonist, like, inner thoughts were just amplified by a thousand like the ambulances were 10 times louder than i remember them in new york 
the construction was 10 times more stressful. Constru- Everything was amplified. Construction is pretty bad right now in Denver on the streets, but I think it has more to do with they have, you know, we were there in late summer and it's the only time they can like lay down a new road, but whatever it is, it's, I think it had more to do with the fact that it was the month prior to that where we had finally spent an extended period of time off the grid and let yeah. go. Yeah. And then coming back to, you know, what used to be real life for us, we felt uncomfortable coming back to it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird thing for both of us where we're like, this is what we've known our whole lives or at least for the last decade. And all of a sudden we're fish out of water. And to, to and it didn't go, take long. It took yeah, three to five weeks. To go there time. as quickly as we did is shocking to me because I feel like we can get back equally as fast if we wanted to it's i feel like it's innately in our character and in our blood but at the same time i like the peace and the the i I thought it would drive me nuts i thought i'd be bored to tears i thought i'd be pissed if i didn't have access to wi-fi or high-speed internet and information at my fingertips all the time and hitting a button and having you know french toast and cottage cheese and buffalo wings delivered to my door at 4 a.m within nine minutes of me hitting the button you know and i i can't believe the shocking part is how quickly not only did we adapt or did i adapt but now almost seek out you know and i'm i've I do think this is one of those that we'll come back to. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because a part of me believes that it might just be the novelty, you know, right now. And combine it with where we're at, you know, society-wise right now, we're supposed to be staying away from each other. And when it's okay to be, you know, at a concert again, is this, am I still going to feel the same way? You know, so it'll be interesting to see if this is something that that sticks over time, or if this is something that was just, you know, the closest thing we had to a vacation in 2020 was we went, you know, 30 days in the wilderness of Wyoming. I couldn't agree more. We're living in a pandemic where there's probably a lot of people who are city people who see crowds and get freaked out the way that we are right now so it'll be interesting to check back in on this one in particular i just think it's funny because when when meeting people in prior to embarking upon this journey meeting people who said oh i would never live in new york city or i don't know how you guys do that and they i'm like have you ever done it have you ever even visited right have you ever seen the magic or the energy that is you know a place like new york or Tokyo or London I mean there's something beautiful about the mass chaos the fact that there's a million different intentions walking down the street in a hundred different directions at all times and somehow it doesn't devolve into you know unmitigated disaster and it just continues to function on a daily basis without major crisis after major crisis is in and of itself this funny little ballet you know that i think deserve and and talking to those people who would be like oh i could never do that i'm like have you ever you've never done it i'm like it's not that bad it's in fact it's great and now to speak from that position and have the, the perspective of there is peace and balance in the world and it is 
not in that town. You know? Right. It, and it why is would you 80 seek, miles outside of that why town. Why would you seek out the chaos when you could just have peace all the time? I get it. I totally get it. I'm definitely, there's a part of me, I don't know which words are being eaten, but there's a part of me squirreled away in the back of my brain that's eating a lot of words. Um, yeah, that, that, was, that was one of the surprising parts for me. I think that's a good point to wrap up on. I think that's a good one that we'll check back in with each other about more than any of the others that we've talked about because that's been the biggest evolution for both of us coming from cities our whole lives to living in the wilderness in a car yeah wood burning fire dirt and big stones big rocks yeah colorful rocks very very simple pleasures that we strive for every single day yeah that i maybe that was and we'll wrap up because i'm starving um and our new mission is to record these things before we eat because we've determined that if we have a if we have dinner and then we try to record. We're just too lazy and tired. Food coma um, kicks in. Yeah. But coming home at the end of the day, every night we sort of have the same little routine for the most part, right? We'll get back to wherever we're staying, whether it be, you know, a weird pull off off the side of a highway on a dirt road to nothing that just has a little landing and it'll be dark and we wake up in the morning and we look around and we're like holy shit we're in the coolest landscape <laughs> we happened see so, many, so times. many times we drive somewhere park there sleep there wake up we're like whoa in <laughs> <laughs> the morning we're like whoa <laughs> this is beautiful uh, we're, we we're staying another night <laughs> we had no idea <laughs> we had no idea we were in a, the four seasons of nature yeah. just looking at it as the most beautiful landscape yeah or over the course of the last month we've done more campgrounds just because one they're dirt cheap in like utah and nevada when you're out when you're you know off the beaten path whereas like estes park you know colorado you're going to pay through the nose for a campground um but we've been doing a lot of campgrounds mainly because it's one of the few places you can have an open fire um there's an established fire. firing or a pit that you can use that's safe and yeah. like and a state lot of accepted. states still have fire bans. Like right. I think Utah and certain parts of it had a fire ban for a long. So we've done a lot of campgrounds in Utah. Um, and we and if we find a state park, that's our new sort of go to gem that I feel like everyone else is rushing to the national parks right now because there's you can't travel internationally. You're not going to go, you know, stay at a hotel. People are less drawn to the state parks, and they have everything to offer and way less hype. Yeah. They're half the price, twice the amenities, twice as manicured, and nobody knows about them, and it's yeah. half the people. Don't tell anybody because uh, yeah. they're our secret. Edit, in fact, edit this whole part out. Don't yeah. tell anybody Done. about the state parks. Um, but, like, come come home. I love that I say that now, right, um, which is our little plot of dirt light a fire grab a drink make an awesome meal like we don't skimp on dinner and like my 10 every like my 10 in life might be cook an awesome meal for dinner over an outdoor open fire like if i could do that every night of my life or even three nights out of seven right i think i will look back and be like hey i got to do what I wanted to do in retirement my entire life, you know? 
It's like the guy who wanted wanted to like retire and go fishing, and he's talking to the guy who fishes every day. You know, uh, it's so weird that the simplest little things, and then we'll play like a card game, Monopoly deal. We'll play Settlers of Catan or do something like this. Like I feel like I've learned more about you in this little session, and and I don't think these this is the type of conversation that we would have the same way if we didn't have microphones sitting in front of us. So just not being interrupted by the dings and the pings of the real world or our devices that we're tethered to cooking an awesome meal, enjoying that, like being in service to each other and being wholly present is somehow my new 10. And I didn't even know my new 10 used to be, let me drink a bottle of whiskey while I scream about a spreadsheet for two and a half hours after I get home from work at 9.40 p.m., right, and need to, like, wake up and race to JFK tomorrow morning to catch some meeting to go down to fucking Nowheresville, Florida, to sit through an eight-hour presentation of segmenting our customer base into groups so that we can target marketing to them. I'm like, what? I'd rather fry fish over open flame and have fish tacos with sweet potato in them. That is my. Should we plug the cookbook? Not that there's a real. We cookbook. should. That was that was so sweet. You. you and, just and that's my that filled my, my eyes my, with tears a little bit. <laughs> my fear so is this: cute. like I'm not seeking out mindfulness or heady, heady shit, but I feel like, you know, Mother Nature was a pretty well-established artist and instead of racing to a museum to see, you know, a cracked Mona Lisa painting that's, what, 8 by 7 or something like that. Like, there's things we're supposed to see with our eyes, and there's experiences we're supposed to have, and some of them are really, really simple. Really simple. And I think a part of, like, the whole adapting to this sort of... I. I would call it, you know, in a previous life, I'd call it this, like, weird redneck lifestyle. And I would say now it's the way forward. It's it's the balanced lifestyle. You shut it down. You come home. You spend time pr- and be present with the people that you love in acts of service and enjoying each other every single night. You can do this. We do this every single night. And there's... I can't... Like... We've done awesome shit, but I'd almost rather just come home and make fish tacos in the dirt. (laughs) Is that, like, what happened to me? What happened to me? Like, I used to give a shit about, like, other things. I don't even know what they are. I don't know. I'm rambling now. Shut me up. Well, when you asked me if I was going to be deep... Now I want to say fuck you because that was the I most beautiful I'm thing sorry. I've ever heard. And I, I don't know how to follow that. That was that was really sweet. As your wife, thank you. <laughs> for thank you. I wouldn't I, – I, so I've told you multiple times, right? If we're up – if I were here out here on my own, I'd be eating ramen every night. <laughs> and I'd be setting trash on fire because I like watching shit burn. But – this is, I, I don't know. I don't. It, we have to check back in on this because, again, I don't think I've found the right words to describe 
this weird sort of, I feel like I'm in the pupae stage or something. Pupae <laughs> stage. Of, We're in, both in the pupae stage. Four months is, we've barely tasted what this lifestyle has to offer. And it's incredible that you've already come to these really deep conclusions. I wouldn't call them conclusions. I'm I definitely feel like I'm scratching the surface of something. There's an itch there and it's being scratched. I think it'll be really interesting to see where we're at in six months, in 12 months, and then however long we continue this lifestyle and journey for. But I'll be I think interested is... to see what it's like post-vaccine when when the rest of our friends and family are out there doing like day-to-day -day shit. Normal stuff, yeah. yeah. Like going to a ball game, you know, or going out to a show or doing dinners and and or just like you know think about the the happy hour thing right where you would spend two to three nights a week after work and you would just shoot the shit with somebody and that was like part of your routine you know how building that kind of community think about our the bar that we lived on top of in new york right the community that we built around that because we were there so often and our neighbors were there so often and we're not going to have access to that. And right now it's not, it doesn't feel like we're going without per se because no one can have on anything. Yeah. yeah. We don't have any FOMO because everybody's in a weird state. So our weird state is the most exploratory state we've ever been in. And it's been such an eye opening experience that we've learned so much about ourselves during, but also we've learned so much about a lifestyle we never imagined ourselves living in. I would have bet money that we one of us would have killed the other by now, like four months in. I I had I if it was like two to one odds there'd be at least homicide or homicide an accidental to death. Sui yeah, or, <laughs> you know, lost her out in the desert. I don't know what happened. I almost put that as my surprising factor. <laughs> was that I, I'm still alive? <laughs> was that well? <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, no, it was that. We have not gotten sick of each other, and I still genuinely enjoy being around you 23 and a half hours a day, <laughs> every day. Where the hell are you going that other 30 minutes of the Well, day? like, you go to the bathroom, and then I go to the bathroom, and by the time we both go to the bathroom a couple times a day, I think it adds up to 30 minutes. Fair. That's how I came up with the math, but you can check my work. For what it's worth, <laughs> I do miss you while I'm in there. <laughs> Oh, God, you're thinking of me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And with that, we it, no better way to end another episode of the Keeping Wanderlust Saga than with the poop reference. <laughs> Get used to it, because you'll hear it next episode and the one after that. And we're going to go cook some dinner, but we will be revisiting this topic in a couple of months when we've been on the road for a while longer and we'll check back in and see where we're at thanks for listening guys <laughs> <laughs>